on another episode of Soothing Semantics. I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, leave your comments. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you a very good friend of mine, a man, a man of the Buharian Mountains, the man of Plov, the man of lots of meat and rice, professional, critically acclaimed barber. Um, he, he does a much better job than I do. I tried cutting hair and uh, didn't do a very good job. So uh, if you need your, your hair cut, I mean, now he, he, he would charge quite a lot of money to cut hair. You know, he has much bigger ventures, much bigger things to do. Mr. Shimon Yushinayev, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you're doing a lot of things lately. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You've uh, partnered with someone on a business, and I want you to go into that because it's a little complicated and hard for me to kind of put of together. Um, yeah. And then you're doing you're doing different kinds of coaching, like meditative coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you something that we're going to get into that's very interesting, being that both of us grew up in in religious Jewish homes is that you've shifted from kind of Orthodox Judaism and you've now adopted kind of a different mindset. So first and foremost, we met in uh, yeshiva for whoever doesn't know what yeshiva is. We met in a Jewish school. Many people take a gap year. Many Jews in uh, across the world take a gap year before they start college. They'll go to Israel and just explore the country, spend time in, in school there and that is where I met you on. So give us a rundown on your shift from how you grew up and where you are now, belief-wise right. and everything. So my parents, um, like most Bukharian Jews, came from Central Asia, Uzbekistan. They came not religious. Um, they put me in yeshiva since, you know, since uh, kindergarten, first grade. And I've been yeshiva all my life, all boys school, all my life. And um, it's where I met you in in TJ. Um, And up until I want to say almost a year ago, I've been super religious. Um, But the ideologies, I guess, are pretty much the same all across the board. I I don't want to say I'm thinking any differently, right? There's still a lot of good things behind religion. I just think um, there are many limiting factors that were holding me back um, from, I guess, exploring and growing um, myself, my family. And um, yeah, religion has very, very good culture, right? Um, Very good. How do you say it? It's very family oriented. So yeah. Um, there isn't anything wrong. I just think there are many limiting beliefs that hold people back. Um, you know, once you can get the whole picture of, you know, how we grew up being Jewish, Orthodox, religious, um, I I grew up always fascinated with stories, right? Um, especially the Jewish stories. Um, I love them till today. But once I started um, reading stories from other religions, cultures, different from different parts of the world, um, it all kind of sounded the same, just, you know, different names, different places, di- like little tweaks here and there. And I'm like, how do we know whatever we're saying is, you know, the truth? Like, it all sounds the same. Like, how do we know we're not just copycatting off each other and it's just a broken game of, you know, a game of broken telephone. 
So I kind of took the fundamentals of, you know, what really makes sense. And it's just, you know, being a good person, being happy, doing what, uh, what you can to make the world a better place. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So it sounds like you're, if I were hearing this for the first time, it sounds like you're starting your own religion. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm starting my own religion, but I think religion is man-made. Um, I think that if you look to the roots of all religion, um, there's a level, like a base of spirituality. And then, you know, it's just, you know, mankind putting in their own two cents, right? I don't, I don't think that I want to tell people what I'm doing and say, okay, listen, this is what you got to do. This is what worked for me. I just think, listen, everybody has their own path. Everybody has to go and have their own experiences. Everybody has their own journey. That's why we're here, you know? Um, and if I tell somebody, hey, this is what worked for me. This is what made me happy. It might not necessarily work for someone else. Let's say I, I can tell you, hey, pizza is delicious but you're trying to avoid carbs or you're lactose intolerant. It's not going to work for you. Right? So the same thing I feel like with religion, you can't put everyone in that box. The same thing with school. Not everybody's cut out for college. You have people who want to be entrepreneurs, but then again, entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. There are people who need to go to college to do whatever they have to do. Uh, so, so how do you, you're taking certain principles from Judaism or from other mm -hmm. religions what aspects are you bringing in that are maybe different? What aspects am I bringing in? Um, I, you mean to my life or in general? Well, yeah. Yeah. What are you personally doing that's different, that differentiates you from, from religion? Right. From religion, yeah. So all religions um, have good and bad right good and evil uh you do a good deed you go to heaven you do you, you do a sin you go to hell or you do a good deed and you get rewarded and you 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 know commit a crime you do a sin and you get punished so that ideology i cut out of my life um the idea of you know you doing something good and you get rewarded you see it time and time again um where people people constantly do good and then they raise the question in religion you know oh why is it that good people struggle and then those who are doing bad um you know they ultimately get rewarded um so then what happened to the concept of getting the reward so then they say okay listen the reward isn't now it's for later and i <laughs> i try to convince myself of that but at the end of the day i think you know if, if that's the case you're not living in the moment you're always living for tomorrow and it's very contradictive, like how do you want people to live and be present and live in the moment and live life to the fullest when they're constantly thinking, okay, but this is not where I have to be. Or I'm thinking, this is it. Your heaven and hell is right here, right now. You're creating it every moment. But to think like, listen, I'm powerless and everything is in someone else's hands and I just have to try to do good, you know, and if, if, if life doesn't uh, go my way and if I don't get rewarded, then hopefully the better, the better day will be tomorrow. But I think, you know, you can become a co-creator. You can create the path you want in life um, by using your head. I guess that's what they call waking up from the matrix.
That's that's an interesting perspective. Obviously, there would be rabbis who would quickly argue this. Um, I know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, my perspective also is 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 similar in terms of we don't know what's going to be after. Everyone sounds so confident in terms of well, there's going to be this afterlife. For all we know, we we're dead and it's all that's all it is. And that's what I believe. I don't think there's anything that comes afterwards. Can I can I expound on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I share a few things. Yeah, go ahead. So when I was still religious, there was um, I can't remember the guy's name, Carlos or something. He said that when he was um, when he was five or six, maybe ten, I'm not sure. He was he was very young. He said that his mother took him to church, and in the church, there were some women who apparently weren't Christians, but they were um, Satan worshippers. And they basically told the mom, "Listen, if you don't give us your son, we're going to perform a spell on him or whatever." And out of fear, he went with them. And he basically became a Satan worshiper. And it was very deep. He was so deep in whatever he did. He said he was very powerful. He knew hundreds of different uh, languages of the demons. He spoke to Lucifer himself. So he said all those things. And he said he had a revelation, near death experience, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus saved him. So the question, questions we all had was like, listen, if Judaism is the right religion, so we claim, why did he see Jesus? So I heard a few different stories like that. And um, ultimately, what sort of tipped the scale for me was listening to a story of this one lady who also had a near-death experience. And she said she saw this angelic being standing in front of her. And before she can get the question out of her head, she wanted to ask, okay, which religion is the right religion? And she said this angelic being standing in front of her like gave her the smile as like a father would give his son when his son wants to ask, okay, which cheese is the moon made out of Swiss cheddar or mozzarella? You know, it's just like, you know, the answer, you know, it's just like, it's a silly question, but sometimes we just want to be, I guess most of us want to be told what to do. It's the comfort of not having to choose just, all right, I know what's up. The fear of, you know, the unknown kind of scares people to sort of figure it out on their own. It's easy to live life off of someone else's mistakes. And, you know, once someone else already does it, you know, nobody wants to like reinvent the wheel, which makes sense, but kind of, you know, it's missing the point of having your own journey, making your own story. Yeah, I completely agree. It gets very complicated because religion does give you that solace, you know, like it gives you that comfort in knowing that every, or believing that everything's going to be fine. You know, this is, this is, I do want to kind of get more into what, how your opinion changed. I mean, well, you are talking about that, but in addition to not believing that everything's out of your control, so that what I'm getting is you are much more in control of your life. You believe in living in the present moment. What are some other things? There are things, obviously, that you can't control, right? right? But the few things that you are, are able to control is the way you react right to certain circumstances that happen to you okay and what you can control is your choices that you make day to day right so if you're if you're smoking for 10 years straight and you decide to not smoke right now it's going to be a lot harder than to make that choice 10 years ago to start that first cigarette or to not so it starts very early on and i remember hearing the story um back in the day where 
this young couple came to a rabbi and said, hey, you know, my wife's pregnant, uh, or I think she just gave birth. Can you bless us that our child is, you know, going to grow up um, righteous and whatnot? And he's like, you came to me 20 years too late. And they're like, what the hell? And I'm like, yeah, you should have been praying since you were children. Meaning once you're in the moment, it's very hard to figure things out. But if you start preparing from early, early on, life gets a lot more simpler. For example, um, with what I'm doing right now uh, with a bunch of businesses that, that we're working on globally, that for me is amazing. But what gives me what gives me this sort of, I guess, sense of fulfillment is my hobby, the QHHT, right? And with that, I always tell people, we have so much trauma that we're unaware of from childhood, not just trauma, just, you know, conditioning um, that we don't know how it's affecting us and how, and we don't know how to break from it, right? So when we do have that guidance and when we are, aware of everything we're doing and where it stems from, it becomes a lot easier to make those choices and where you want to lead your life. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's a very, that's a very logical principle. Just makes perfect sense. Yeah. You just, yeah, being conscious is a big component because a lot of people who are, who grew up with a certain religion, for example, they don't really think day to day on on the reasons on why they do what they do it's very robotic so they don't have to right it's, everything's it's set up like... for them everything's yeah. set up for them yeah it's and it, that is very true most most humans prefer that they need the peace of mind where they don't have to worry that's why most people are employees most people are not in leadership positions because the stress of having to make those decisions and ha- i think for the most part it's, it's it comes down to responsibility and accountability so when you have fewer responsibilities, you're not, hold, you're not held accountable nearly as much as somebody who has all the burden on them. So when you make a conscious decision to do something, especially if it goes against what you were taught, then now all the accountability is on you, all the responsibility is on you, because now you're choosing another life that's unknown. And you have to decide whether that's a worthwhile decision. It's very scary. It's very scary. Don't get me wrong. Um, for, for people to be, you know, doing something their whole life. And it's even scarier for the leaders in those communities to, like, once they face that reality, they're given a choice right now. And it's a very hard freaking choice to make to tell hundreds, if not thousands, most of the time, thousands of people that, hey, I don't want to say, you know, I messed up, but, you know, I was wrong. I came to this conclusion and, you know, this is the truth that I see right now. How many people can do that? And even if they do that, how many people will listen? I doubt anybody in their position would do that because it's very scary to start telling people, hey, everything we've been doing up until now, people with you know, kids, grandkids, some even great grandkids, just, just pick up and turn your whole life around. Like, dude, everything that I've been doing for the past 20, 30, 40, 60, 70 years has just been... <laughs> You know, to, to them, it's just like a life wasted. But you can, I guess you can say the same thing for kids who grow up rich, right? They don't have to really think of the hustle, the grind, how to be a great leader, how to be charismatic, how to do all these things, how to create a great business. It's sort of given to them the same thing like 
all these religions sort of given to them. But when you study all the different religions and you think about what are they doing? What are the top, you know, dogs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of them and every other name that you want to throw out there, what were they actually doing? Um, it doesn't say anything about, you know, <laughs> I don't want to go too deep into it, but it doesn't say anything about them performing mitzvah commandments. It doesn't say anything about them fearing of sin, right? They were paving their own path. They were paving their own path. They always thought outside the box, weren't afraid to just get up and move their entire family to go do whatever they thought was right. Fearless, fearless to do whatever it is and right. And listen, that's who we are following. But people, I feel like people would be making their own movies every day. If people had the balls to get up and do what anybody else was doing. Just don't be afraid to make your own movie instead of sitting on your ass and watching movies all day, you know? Yep, I, I completely agree, and I'm very happy that I that I follow that that I follow that idea. That I'm very much, yeah. Speaking of making your own movie, Joe Rogan talks about this. He says, "Be the hero of your own movie." It's one of my favorite sayings. I really, really resonate with that. He's when amazing. I'm older, when I'm in my 70s, 80s, and I'm in my rocking chair, and my little grandkids are are talking to me, and they ask me tough, deep questions, I don't want to sit there and say, "Shit, they have a point." I want to cover all the grounds, you know, because they're going to ask me, dad, you know, grandpa, don't you, don't you wish you did this and did that? And I'm going to be like, you know, I really wish I did. I don't want to be that guy. You know, I want to sit there old and gray, confident with my hands on the, on the recliner, sitting back with my tea or whatever I'm doing, my crack pipe, just, <laughs> just proud of what I've done. You know, you know, so it's, it's funny. It's funny. You say that when, when I was growing up, we lived with my grandparents and um, both of my father's parents passed away. I love living with them because it taught me so much. And growing up with my grandfather, um, I used to ask him questions like, listen, why do you turn the lights on on Shabbos? Why do you go take a shower on Shabbos? I thought we weren't allowed. And he used to say this in Bukharian, but in English, he's like, bro, it's not allowed for you, but for me, it's allowed. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, it never hit me. But once you start thinking of life spiritually, there are certain things one person can't do that another person could do. And it's just because he, it, it's, it's for him. It, for his life, it's the best path for him, right? Somebody in the gym, you could lift 300 pounds. I can only lift 100. Plain and simple. I can't do 300. It's not for me right now. When I'm there, maybe it's good for me. That's an interesting analogy. It's an interesting analogy because one of them is, is, is simply not possible at the present moment. And the other thing is, so it's an interesting analogy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's what I think. I mean, for, for instance, with me and Shabbat, right. I don't keep it according to the Orthodox way. You know, I get in my car, I, uh, I turn on lights, you know, I do all that. But when it comes to the spirituality of it, it allows me to, to do it in a more spiritual way. Now, yeah, I don't really go to shul, like I don't go to synagogue, and I don't really pray that much in the typical sense. Like I, I pray in my own way. I, you know, I do it in English, however. But uh, in my current living situation, being that I'm in South Florida, for me to restrict myself to one neighborhood, it, it's maybe when I'm married and I have kids, different story. Right now, I want to be able to go to different events. I want to be able, be able to go wherever there's something happening. And that's what makes Shabbat nice for me. 
if my AC isn't on and it's 80 degrees in my apartment, I'm not really going to enjoy Shabbat very much. So you'll have people who are so deeply, deeply religious that when the AC goes off in the summertime, they refuse to, to turn it on. And then they it becomes this story in yeshiva of like, did you hear how faithful they were? They even in the, they were sweating buckets and they still didn't do it. And I'm just like, why is that a virtuous thing? Yeah. I, I just like, I think it's a hyped up stupid. It's like, if you don't want to turn it on, don't turn it on. But if you think that God is up there or wherever, and he's going to smite you because you didn't, because you turned the air conditioner on, I think you're missing it. I don't, that's yeah. just me. I think you're missing the point. You're supposed to enjoy it. That's my take. Listen, people have their own thing. Like the only even have stories where like there was a fire, the oven set on fire. And because it wasn't really a big fire, they didn't put it out. And I'm just like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> it's just like a lot. I, oh, the toilet paper. They're like the toilet paper, right? Like if it's perforated <laughs> oh toilet gosh. paper. I'm not, this isn't me shitting on Judaism, by the way. It's, it's me. It's not shitting on anybody. It's just, People don't have a, an outside perspective and they're like, what do you mean? You cannot rip the paper. It's like, first of all, it's perforated. Second of all, I'm wiping my behind and I need it. And for me to rip up 400 pieces and put them on top of the toilet seat, it's just like, it's okay to do that. But don't you realize that it's a little odd? Like, can we acknowledge that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, what, how I see it, uh, see it, I, how the way I see it is, these are all extra precautions to make sure that you that you actually follow it. So people go through these crazy lengths to make sure that they do it. That's just me. Uh, now, tell, I want to share something that you just mentioned. Can you see this? Mm. The book is called The Light and Fire of the Baal Shem Tov. Okay. So when I was still religious, I was reading this book. I still recommend it today. Um, amazing stories, just how it, it tells you, you know, how people have that, that aspect, you know, leaving the AC off in 90 degree weather, et cetera. Um, but it also helps you think of, you know, the opposite. For example, there was a guy, uh, the boss, he met with, I don't know, Eliyahu, I think. And he, he told him, he's like, listen, the way you keep Shabbat, is that nobody else keeps Shabbat that same way. He's like, he's like, uh, he takes him, I think, to heaven or somewhere. He shows him two thrones. And he's like, one throne is for you. And the other one is for somebody who keeps Shabbat just like you do. He's like, I want to meet this guy. Fine. He takes him to this guy. They get to this guy's house right before Shabbat. It's a, it's a not religious guy. The guy doesn't even look Jewish. He gets to his house. And the guy is, you know, treating the Baal Shem Tov as his guest. And he's like, hey, you can stay in this room, blah, blah, blah. And now he comes down. He's like, oh, is there a shul nearby? He's like, no, it's not a Jewish neighborhood. Okay. Um, he's like, is all your food kosher? He's like, no. <laughs> he's like, bro, no, no minion, no meal, can't eat anything here, fine. And the whole time he's just like biting his fingernails thinking, why the hell am I here? How the hell does this guy keep Shabbat like me? And then towards the end, right before Shabbat comes out, like, you know, right around Mincha time, I guess you want to say. Uh, he has a whole feast. People come over, cigars, whiskey, charcuterie boards. The guy's chill. And the Baal Shem Tov is like dumbfounded. He's like, bro, what the hell is going on? He's like, this is Shabbat, you know, cigars, whiskey, pork on the table. He goes, how the hell is this guy on my level? 
And then after everyone leaves, he asks him, bro, like, why'd you set this whole thing up? He's like, listen, when I was born, um, he goes, I knew my, my, I know my parents were Jewish. He goes, and I know one thing they always liked doing was having people over on Saturday. So this is my thing for Saturday. And then as if the Baal Shem Tov wanted to tell him, like, bro, if only you knew about Shabbat, about, you know, this, that, and he wanted to like, give him the whole spiel of Judaism. And like, he couldn't get the words out of his mouth as if like, you know, cat got your tongue. And then he realized, he's like, listen, if I do tell him, I'll ruin it for him. Then he'll just going to be living in fear. Like, oh my God, I'm doing something wrong, whatever. And I think, again, not shitting on Judaism, but I think with every religion out there, the reason why I guess it's so, what people are so behind their religion is because up until now, everybody was just in their circle. You didn't have people leaving. And when you did, that's when people are like, this doesn't make sense. Who was the best example? Rabbi Akiva's teacher, right? They say, why did he go off? Why did he go off? They said, because he always had um, Greek, Greek books, like, you know, educational books on his lap. I guess he was also learning Greek um, education and he was always listening to Greek music. Um, so once you're out of that, you know, zone, once you're actually looking somewhere else, you get to see knowledge just not that's not just yours. And then you can say, okay, well, this sounds very similar to what we're doing. How do we know that whatever we're doing is right? It's like saying, listen, I'm going to tell you, let's say, Rafi, you don't know anything about math. And I'm telling you, Rafi, two plus two is three. Would you know it's wrong? No, unless, you know, I mean, this is if you knew nothing about math. The same thing I think here, once people start actually thinking outside the box and letting go of their limiting beliefs, I think it becomes very clear. But again, I think the main thing is it doesn't matter. And I never push anybody. I never try. To, I don't even tell anybody, listen, I think what you're doing is wrong. Whatever makes, at the end of the day, whatever makes someone happy, you know, if they think they're doing the right thing, by all means. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I don't care what anyone does as long as they don't uh, try to push their beliefs onto me. Mm-hmm. So when when you kind of had this change of mindset, and I think I spoke to you about this briefly, was your wife very very religious at the at the time? We were both very religious, and I so think how did she just change? How did it? So it was very gradual for us. Um, we were doing everything um, up until Shabbat and Kashrut, right? Um, but then once we sort of stopped keeping kosher in the sense of I guess the first step was buying products that didn't have OU sign or any kashrut sign. And then it sort of became like, listen, even a bunch of these products that are kosher have so many ingredients that are so bad for you, right? A bunch of chemicals and whatever. And I said, how is that labeled kosher? So then like, again, it came to the, it came back to why are you only keeping kosher? It's just the fear of, oh, if I eat this, you know, God will be upset at me and smite me and whatever so then i just am like listen if i see something is good for me conducive to my health i don't know if i'm using the right grammar but if it's good for me i'll eat it if not no um and i i'm always experimenting like bro i i eat something i'll I'll see how it makes me feel i'll see how i go to the bathroom if it's good for me great it helps me grow it helps me if it keeps me healthy great if not no 
So that was one. And then with Shabbat, the same thing. I think it's very important. The same thing in working out. You need a rest day. One rest day, two, whatever it is. You need a rest day to recover. So with the work week, right, you need a rest day. I There was a guy. This guy is just a pool of knowledge. His name is Matias De Stefano. He apparently, he's around 35. Um, he's he claims that he remembers his past lives dating back to, I think, 12,000 years ago. And he says that back then there wasn't a seven day work week. It was a 10 day week. Okay. And each month had 30 days. And then there was five days, just they called it the five days at a time. So even time, right? You say there are people who claim time is an illusion. There are people who say time is the fourth dimension or time is whatever. I think we are giving, we are creating this idea of days, months, years. It, why? Because it helps us have structure, which is good, right? Such structure an, is good. You know, it's that's such a mind-blowing idea, but it's so true, right? Have it's you ever crazy seen how we movie? our year could technically be twice as long or or, or half as long, but we came up with a, a a metric on how long a day week month year is and it's pretty wild when you think about it yeah, it's very interesting have you ever watched the movie in time with justin timberlake mm, i don't doesn't ring a bell i definitely recommend it it gives you a sort of different perspective on time but to, think about it today i this whole past week i'm in meetings back to back and I, every time I talk to someone, like, oh, yeah, I met them a few days ago. And then I check my calendar, but I met them yesterday. But I'm having so many meetings in one day where it feels like I met them four days ago. Think about it back in the day. If somebody wanted to get from New York to Israel, how long would it, would it take them? Months? It, it, absolutely. Definitely months, probably maybe even a year, maybe more. Right. But today you can go back and forth you know, two, three times in one week, you know, so time changes the amount of things you can do and just experience and, you know, accomplish in such a short amount of time. It can, it can be compared to living a longer life technically, because what we could, what they accomplished, let's say 200 years ago without all of this, right. What they accomplished in a 70 year lifespan, we can do that in a year. You think about it maybe maybe more maybe slightly more <laughs> yeah i mean everything's compounding now so everything that's going to happen is going to happen faster the 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 kind of technology that you and i are going to be exposed to when we're old yeah when we're in our 50s and 60s unless there's some crazy world war and everything goes back to the stone age but i don't happen to i don't i don't believe that i don't think that's going to happen there will be wars plenty of them in our lifetime but i don't you know i don't think it's going to come to that but it's, yeah, I mean, the technology, the things that will be available to us as humans in the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Absolutely. Don't even go that far, crazy. man. Oh, no, I know, I know a lot sooner than that, but, but think about what will be by that point. Meaning in the next yeah. couple, of, unless in the next five years, we're gonna, there, there, there are going to be mind-blowing inventions. But if we're looking years down the road, I can't even imagine. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Imagine uh, someone imagine someone coming out of prison. You know, some of these people get long sentences. Imagine they go to prison for 40 years and they come out and see their neighborhood 40 years later. 
and they just that's, walk around. That's something. And they see really how the cars, right? They see the cars that changed. They see all the buildings that were taken down and rebuilt. The neighborhood, everything is just different. And people wear different clothes. The music. They turn on the. They turn on the radio. Oh, it's January, January eighteenth, twenty twenty six, and they're like, oh, what? You know, and like they know what year it is because they're still alive. Yeah. But QHHT, if you want. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Yeah. Give us an idea. Sure. So, a little bit about QHHT, right? I started it. Um, I want to say in May of last year, and I had a few sessions done on myself with an amazing practitioner who's wealth wealth of knowledge, very open-minded, amazing guy. Um, and I decided right after that, that I wanted to do it myself. So um, ever since I started college, um, I did a few things going into do a few different um, directions, but nothing that I really liked. And I was always thinking psychology or psychiatry, something in that field. And this is the perfect thing for it because I guess it's alternative therapy, right? I'm able to help people figure out, you know, traumas, help heal them from any childhood or past lives for whoever believes in that and able to do a variety of different things. Um, but primarily the goal at the end of the day is help people break out of limiting beliefs, you know, get rid of their fears and connect to their subconscious slash superconscious mind. Um, I just want to read to you something that I wrote down. Because somebody asked me, who is this for? Right? They asked, who, who could this session be for? Who's the appropriate client, I guess you could say. So if anybody is looking, uh, what are the session possibilities? Right? Recover lost energy, um, body upgrade, Right. If if there's anything internally, we ask your higher self, your subconscious to do a body scan to see if there's anything that's fixing or if anything in your body can be upgraded. Uh, visit a past life, life or multiple past lives. Um, heal from trauma, whether it's from this life or past lives. Um, to purge stored energy, any negative emotions, anything that you're holding on to that's not beneficial towards you or serving you in a positive way. Manifest abundance, heal your inner child, expand awareness, raise your vibrations. And the last thing is get accurate answers to questions you might have. So questions like career, finance, um, you know, relationships, spiritual questions, um, literally wherever your mind can go, write all those questions down before having the session. And that's the questions we ask to the person's subconscious. And I'll tell you the kind of sessions, the, the direction of where the session goes. It's just, you know, I never set any expectations. And I always tell my clients, do not set any expectations because every session is different and it's mind blowing what, what you can actually accomplish in a session. So how does a session go? The, the session lasts anywhere from four to six hours, but I have had longer sessions. Um, the first half of the session is where my clients are giving me their whole life story, their whole you know background, how they grew up, relationships with certain people, traumas, good experiences, bad experiences, different relationships, 
um, you know, anything that can help me get a better understanding of who they are and how to better prepare my questions, I guess, to ask their subconscious when we get into the hypnosis. The second thing is when people hear the word hypnosis, they think, you know, swinging a pendulum, get knocked out. And right. that's not how this is. This is more like a guided meditation where they are aware the whole time. So people, people, can say, you know, oh, I can't get hypnotized, or is it scary to get hypnotized? So the answer to that question is everybody goes through different levels of trance every day, right? For example, when you're reading a book, when you're watching a movie, you're already in some sort of a trance. You ever have it where you're driving and then like you'll just sort of spaz out and you'll yeah, come back. Yeah, it's crazy. I like, talk about. I actually talk about that a lot. It's so wild how it does, how your mind can do that. <laughs> totally focus on the road when you're totally spaced out. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen the video or whatever on social medias where like they say people make something look so effortless because they spent so much time, you know, grinding behind the scenes. Uh, but it's, it's pretty much the same thing. You've been doing it so much well, it's, it's ingrained into your subconscious, right? And you're in a level of trance where now like your subconscious sort of takes over and then like you zone back in and you're there. So that's another level of trance. Well, that, that people don't even realize that the state of trance, the hypnotic state that we're working with is a state that everybody goes through twice a day, at least, Right. It's right before you go to bed and right when you wake up. That is what we call theta. And in that state of mind is where I guess you could say the veil between the conscious and the subconscious mind is lifted. And you can connect the two as opposed to just shutting off the conscious mind, right? So let's talk a little bit about our brain, right? We have the right side of the brain, which is more feminine, which is more emotions it's more intuitive that side then you have the left side which is masculine it's more logical it's more you know conscious the ego mind you can call it and instead of going like this and knocking you out it's more of a guided meditation where you know the person lays down and i'm talking to them we're having a conversation and they're aware the whole time and i'm just acting as a guide but it's their mind, their subconscious, their higher self that's guiding them and showing them what they need to see and answering the questions that they come in with. So the first part of the session, the first part of the hypnosis rather, is the past life regression where we can see their childhood or even go further back into visit, visiting past lives. Um, the second part of this hypnosis session is where we're contacting the person's subconscious. We're asking them questions um, and the questions that the client brought. And But Shuma, what I'm confused about, sorry to cut you off, sure. is if you don't believe in the afterlife, then how do you believe in pre-life? How do you believe there could be? Great question. So there are a few different things that I want to mention. There are people who come in to this life and it's their first time being here. That's very possible. And there have been people where you know during the session their subconscious is like yeah this person's had like 750 different lifetimes and the first life they've ever lived they lived on a different planet and they lived like a thousand years in comparison to our earth years right so 
I think it all goes based on a person's belief system, right? Like we were saying before, how is it that some people say, okay, listen, when you die, this is what happens. When, and when this person dies, he sees Jesus. When this person dies, he sees X, Y, and Z, whatever it could be. It goes based off your belief system. And, and I guess at the same side, your limiting belief system, right? So if you, if a person comes in saying, listen, I don't believe, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in that, I say, no problem. I don't want to impose my belief system on you. That's why I said before, if you believe in past life, not you per se, but whoever's watching the clients, if a person doesn't believe in it, I ask them simply, come in with an open mind. Don't believe, don't, not, and don't, don't believe, right? Come in with an open mind. Whatever you're going to see, um, treat it like a movie. Treat it like, hey, I'm just watching. And most of the times, <laughs> it's the people who, for example, I'll have spouses. And Dolores Cannon, the lady who founded QHHT, she said she had it also many, many times where a couple came in, one of the spouses, right? One of the people said, hey, I love you. I follow you. I'm so much into your content. They had an okay session, but their spouse who was like, eh, you know, didn't really care for it. They had a crazy session, like crazy deep. And it's just like, they woke up like, what the hell just happened? You know? <laughs> so it does happen. And, you know, I, I have three boys. You don't know and I always tell this to them. They're always like, oh, I don't want to eat this. I don't want to try that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Kids are curious, but they're also afraid. And I said, listen, you don't know till you try. Always have a little bit of wiggle room. And, you know, I honestly applaud anybody who's willing to get out of their comfort zone just to try, just to like, hey, let's check it out. I'm open-minded, sure. But for those who aren't open-minded and don't want to even try, I don't recommend it for them. You know, there has... Uh, just the last point on this, there was a guy, I can't remember his name, but he completely didn't believe in anything. And he, he said, if um, he goes, I want to have any, any spiritual worker, light worker, whatever it is, you know, come, um, come into a control setting in my office or whatever. And he's like, I want to check if you guys are legit because I don't believe in anything. And of course, you're going to have some fakes out there, right? But even the real ones who people vouched for saying, listen, I went to this guy, he channeled certain spirits, he channeled my dead grandfather who, you know, he would like, Rafi, if I, if I never met you and I started telling you, listen, you know, this is your dad, this is his name, this is your mom, this is her name, you know, I see your grandfather and he's speaking to me, wouldn't that be pretty believable? Like if I had no idea who you are? Yeah, it would be. <laughs> now, imagine someone like that who goes and meets this guy and nothing he does works. So in that scenario, the person's power, that guy who said, I don't believe in anything, his power of non-believing was, I guess, stronger of their power, whatever they were doing. His disbelief was so strong, it was overcoming whatever power they thought they had. You know, And then the next day, they went and did what they did and it was working again fully. So it goes based off a person's open-mindedness and belief. And that's another thing QHHT is here for, to help people break those limiting beliefs. And it did that for me. You know, I'm very grateful to it. And I'm 
Look, Dolores Cannon, before she passed away in 2014, if I'm not mistaken, if I heard right, she had a 10 year waiting list, you know, to do sessions. I know certain practitioners who till today, they have a waiting list for a few years for people to come in and do a session. It's really crazy stuff, you know, and I, I've had people, I've had certain sessions with certain people who, you know, most of the time people are aware of what's going on, but then there are those certain clients who go into a sonambulistic state where they don't remember anything. They, they go super deep and, you know, they can access some really deep parts of their mind. So uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I I'd like to do this. So let me know how we can do this. For sure, man. I'll drive down to Miami or you can come to Orlando. I'm here. I have my little office set up here. The perfect setting. And one thing I want to mention, just for any of your viewers, I know just from a personal standpoint, because I had these, I guess, this fear and anxiety as well, starting a session. It's totally normal. It's just like riding a bike. There are people who are going to be a little bit hesitant to come in, but I always want to tell everybody, I set the setting, I set a safe space for anyone and everyone to come in to understand that number one, everything is completely confidential. No matter who you are and, you know, no matter who comes to me, let's say, Rafi, you have a friend, like, oh, you know, me and you are friends and we know Rafi, like, tell me about the session. I don't tell anyone anything. The only person that has that info is me. The second thing is completely no judgment. I know people who told me some crazy stories, like incest, killed someone by accident, crazy stories, okay? But again, it's childhood. You know, it's something that happened, whatever. Long story short, everyone has skeletons in their closet and I'm no one to judge anybody, nobody. And I just want people to come in. I create a safe space. You can tell me whatever you want, right? And, you know, the whole point of this is growth. It's, it's not... It's not to be somewhere where, hey, I can't believe you did this. You're a fucking asshole. But no, it's I'm just trying to help people. That's why I enjoy it. It's very interesting. And and I've always been very skeptical of these things. So because it kind of gives off like this psychic reading kind of vibe. And I understand how it's different, but it gives off that vibe that mystical. I will read your palms and tell you your future. <laughs> you know, like that's what it sounds like. So, so yeah, I, I, because I know you, I'm much more willing to try it. If I didn't know you, I'd be like, ah, I don't know. But I, I like I like how it sounds and I'm willing to do it because at the end of the day, you never know. Speaking of psychics, I that was one of my things going in. Why I didn't want to do it either was because I didn't want somebody giving me biased information. And I guess the best thing of QHHT is I don't tell anyone what I think because everyone's experience is different. Even if Rafi, you tell me, Hey, Shimon, this is how my life was going. This is how I was raised. This is, you know, my blood type, which you're not going to tell me, but I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to tell me everything about you, I still wouldn't give you my opinions. Why? Because your life is still very different than mine and your experiences are different. Where your, what your life mission is, is completely different than mine. That's why during a session, the only person who gives you your advice and the answers you get is yourself, your higher self, your subconscious. Everything you have is from your power within. Yeah, that well, that that works a lot better. That works a lot better. Yeah. So, so Shimon, I think we covered a lot of ground. I think it was a great discussion. Uh, I figure we call we wrap it up over here. What do you say? 
Sounds good, buddy. Awesome. Okay. Well, ladies and gents, look forward to your comments. I do apologize for any lagging video quality. And people might say, well, why don't you redo it? Because I think it was a great episode nonetheless, and it is more than uh, listenable, more than listenable. So if uh, watching it gave you the, uh, um, for lack of a better word, if, if you didn't want to watch the video itself, definitely listen to it. Play it in your car. Play it while you're in the shower. Do what makes you happy. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Shimon Yushanayev, thank you for joining me. I look forward to doing the session with you, homie. All right. Sounds good, brother. See you soon. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir.